Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. All right. So when my son Jackson was four years old, okay, he's 16 right now, 12 years ago, when he's four years old, we were at a friend's house. Actually, we were over at their house with a bunch of staff. And at the back of their house, on the back part of their house, they had a pool. Well, Jackson that summer had learned how to swim and just loved being in a pool. And so as you would you know, think, obviously, he sees the pool. And he's like, Mom and Dad, can I go swimming? We're like, yeah, let's go, boy. Go for a swim. Enjoy yourself. Well, the weirdest thing happened. Jackson got into the pool. And instead of swimming, he turned into like a lead brick, right? He got into the pool, and for some reason, he just froze, and he sunk. And there, Amber and I were looking at him going, Jackson, buddy, just swim. Like, we're looking at him like, what are you doing? You've done this all summer. Just swim. Just swim. And all we saw were these little brown eyes looking at us through the water. It was the weirdest thing. But then Amber, seeing this, she jumped in, she scooped him out of the water, and we just looked at him, and we're like, buddy, what's up? Like, what just happened in this moment? I mean, it seemed like forever for Amber and I, but what, it probably was like five seconds, right? Like, you know this as parents, it's like, oh my goodness. But we're looking at each other going, why did you do this? You've been swimming so much. What was in this moment that made you freeze to the point where you almost drown? If Amber didn't jump in, buddy, you know what would happen. I'm thinking about this story, and I'm thinking about you guys this week. Is there any chance that you have ever been Jackson in life? Not in a pool, not literally water, but if you've ever been Jackson in life, where things are going okay, you feel like you know what's happening, but then life becomes overwhelming, something just grabs a hold of you, and for some reason, you don't know what to do next. You're just frozen without direction. I think this can happen to us for a lot of reasons. I think for some of us, this life becomes overwhelming because you you begin to be captured by fear because something's in front of you and it freezes you. For others, it's sadness has taken over and you just feel frozen in the moment. Maybe you're in survival mode, and because of the the chaos that's around you, you just don't know what the next move is. Maybe your past. It carries baggage that keeps you in the moment, or your future has so much uncertainty, you just don't know what to do next. There are so many reasons why we can feel overwhelmed in a particular moment when just before we felt like it was just fine. 
And it feels like you have nothing solid or safe to hold on to. I think everyone in life has this moment. If you haven't had this moment, you will probably walk into this moment at some point. And some of you, you not only have had this moment, it can feel like you cycle back to it far too often. And what I'm wondering is, is there something we need to do? Is there something that needs to happen in us so we can walk through these moments better? Or is there something we need to do so we stop cycling in these moments where we feel like we're going to drown? See, if you're a guest today, we started a series last week titled uh, Refocus. You know, originally when I told the staff, what I wanted, the team, kind of what I wanted to talk about, it, it was really simple. I didn't know what to name it. It was kind of just like, what's on Scott's desk? Okay, this is kind of the working title, what's on Scott's desk? And if you were here last week, you know wh why that title was, because I have five things that sit on my desk all year long. I have these five things because I need something in my life when I get a little off track. It may not even be in big ways, it's just you get a little off track. And I need something in front of me that sometimes I can even grab a hold of. It reminds me, as I said last week, to remind me what matters most or reminds me perspectives and mindsets that I know I'm supposed to have, but sometimes life gets you off track. And sometimes I just need to be refocused on what I know I need to be doing in life. So last week, I showed you, if you miss this, you can go back, I, I showed you my toy wooden robot. Yes, it's okay for an almost 42-year-old man to have a toy robot. This is fine, okay? Um, it was a gift given to me because of a message I spoke years ago. And it sits on my desk because what I spoke about and what I spoke last week is that Paul, we know Paul from Scripture, and he said, I want to be all things to all people. He said, I want to use my life to give people a glimpse of who Jesus is. I want to use the freedom I have found in Jesus to show people so they can experience and receive salvation through Jesus. And this lifestyle of wanting to do this happens at work. It happens in our homes. It happens at school. It happens at sporting events. It happens at dance recitals. It, ha it happens everywhere we go. And the challenge last week was, would you use your life to meet people where they are? Will you use your life to be flexible Will you use your life to, to, to kind of meet people so that they can experience Jesus even when it costs you something, even when it's not comfortable to you? That's what I talked about last week, and now we're moving on to today. And what I'm going to move on to today, the next item that's on my desk, some of you have heard this story before, because if you've been around One Hope, you know, like you kind of know I share my life, I try to live transparently, I try to kind of share what I'm going through, and you've heard maybe the story of my experience, my journey of going to Israel for the first time. 
I've shared with you that this experience changed how I look at scripture. It changed how I live life because of what I saw and experienced. So if you're newer to One Hope, you won't know that every few years I want to take people to Israel to experience those things we see in the Bible so it illuminates. The words can jump off the page. And so we went in 2018 just like we're going this November. Well, one of those days, we were in a famous place. One of those days, we find ourselves on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. We find ourselves on a body of water that's talked about all through the New Testament. And that day, what typically happens is you get on the boat. The tour guides, of course, give you information. They're always sharing things about biblical um, um, times and themes. And, and, but on that day, it also begins to turn into a kind of a worship service. We begin to sing songs that have been sung for years. Well, it was during this moment while we are on the boat, I kind of walked away from the group because what people didn't know about my life at that moment was it felt very heavy with stresses and insecurities and uncertainties and I just went to the front of the boat. I was kind of feeling like I was talking about the beginning where I was trying to do my best in life. I was trying to be the de best dad. I was trying to be the best husband. I was trying to be the best pastor. I was trying to be the best Jesus follower. But even in the middle of that, it felt like there was just these overwhelming feelings. It was almost like, am I going to drown in the weight of the life that I'm feeling? So there I was. I was on the boat just having a me and God moment. I'm on the boat where I've, I've read story after story of on a sea of Galilee and what Jesus has done. And it was in this moment that I almost felt like I could envision a major story that we read in the New Testament, specifically Matthew. Matthew writes his gospel in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew tells us of a couple events that happened in Jesus' life. When we see, he talks about feeding the 5,000 people. Jesus performs this miracle. He feeds the 5,000 people just a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. And then after that, he looks at his disciples and he says, Hey, I want you to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I want you to go there while I dismiss the people. So they leave. Jesus dismisses the people. And this is what Matthew tells us happens next. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the winds because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking the lake, they, lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Hey, come, he said. 
Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You know the story, right? You know the story, right? I'm remembering this story while I'm standing on the boat. This is why it's so good as we're in Scripture and we let it soak into us. We don't even have to have it in hand sometimes that God begins to recall Scripture back into our lives. And there I am on that boat. The disciples are making their way to the other side, but the winds are tough. And this is not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is actually not the, always the safest place because of how the mountain ranges are around it and, and the gaps between. Winds and storms can strike up instantly. And so they knew that, that being on the water was not the safest place, even though their life many times revolved around the water. So very quickly, this storm, these winds have come up, and the disciples are in the boat, and they're working hard against the storm, and so they can get to the other side, but it's taking all night. And then from a distance, they see a figure, right? They see something coming towards them. It's natural for them to think it's a ghost, right? Because they've never seen this before. Why would they think this was Jesus? As it gets closer, Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid. I'm right here. It's me. Now, this has never happened before to them. So there is Peter. And if you know the history of Peter, Peter is very adventurous. Peter likes to live on the edge. Peter likes to challenge himself. Peter, Peter likes to kind of do what Jesus is doing. He says, okay, if it's truly you, Jesus, then tell me to come to you. So Jesus says, come on. Come on. Come be a part of this. He invites him to exercise his faith. He invites him to exercise his, his becoming and living out the way Jesus lived. And what we see as a result is Peter experiences a miracle in his life. He sees what the obedience and faith combined can produce. But we know the rest of the story. We know what happened next. We see he quickly begins to struggle. He begins to look all around him. And in this overwhelming moment, he begins to sink because for him, he's overcome by fear. This moment is too big for him. Now, if you've heard this story, you've probably heard a pastor like me before speak this, and usually the next conversation that we're going to have is, listen, Peter needed to get out of the boat, and he needed to have greater faith as he walked on the water. Like, typically, our conversation, at least when I've heard pastors speak about it, conversations that have gone on, is that we need to trust Jesus more, and we need to get out of the boat and follow him. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I think this is a true reality. I think that's a fine conversation. Jesus does want to stretch us. Jesus does want us to live by faith. Jesus does want us in areas of our life to step out and do this. But that's not the part that I want to focus on today. We're actually going to go to that maybe in week four. Have that conversation. Know what I want 
to kind of bring out today in the story is specifically what God had to speak to me that day on the boat in 2018. See, what God had to speak to me is he said, Scott, just like you, in your own way, you know what it feels like to be Peter in this moment. You know what it's like to be trying to do your best in life. You know what it's like to be doing, even, even to the point of like, God, I'm trying to do what you've called me to do. Like, we're doing our best. But then in the middle of this, we have distractions. In the middle of this, there's chaos. There's so many things that can grab our attention in life. Like we're trying to live by faith, but life happens. And what we experience is the humanness, the fragility, the brokenness of me begins to show up. Even when I'm trying to do my best. We find ourselves in a mess and we don't know what to do next. And in this moment, we don't feel an unshakable faith. What we feel is more closely related to just keeping our head above water that we're trying not to drown. And I know, because I've had too many conversations with people, when we're in this moment, we struggle with guilt. If you're a follower of Jesus, sometimes you can struggle with guilt because why is my faith not strong enough to walk through this? And we begin to beat ourselves up. We begin to wonder what is wrong with me. We begin to wonder I, or, or say to ourselves, I should be better than this. I'm too old for this. I know more than why am I struggling with my faith. But that I, here I am here today and reading this story to remind you that to be human means you're going to wrestle with living by faith 100% of the time. To be human means you're going to wrestle with this idea of always having unshakable faith. This is something that is never going to go away. To be human means you're not perfect. To be human means life is going to be more than you can handle sometimes and it's okay to admit your limitation. To be you means that on your own, you are going to drown. You're going to feel the sensation of I'm drowning. This is what it means to be human. But then this story comes to our attention. And I'm wondering today if we, f we, we, we focus on this story just a little differently. What if the main character of this story is not the person we often make it in Peter? What if Peter is not who this story is really about? But instead, Matthew is trying to say to you, he's trying to say to me, he's trying to say to those people in the beginning when he wrote this, that when your limitations, when your fragility, when your brokenness, when your weaknesses show up, don't worry because you have a rescuer in Jesus who is there to scoop you up. 
What if this is the emphasis of this story? It's not to be on Peter and to push you and make you feel bad for your lack of faith, but what if it's to show you you are going to go through these moments because this is life, but what you have in front of you is a rescuer. What if the main storyline is this? You have a savior whose biggest desire is to step into your life when you have tried your best, but your best is not enough. Doesn't this often describe the human experience? I've tried my best, but I'm not sure my best is enough. And there he is, ready to reach down and save you. See, what I needed to be reminded a few years ago, what I think I've got to tell you, maybe remind you today, the center of this story does not need to be a lack of faith by Peter and to beat you up or to just in this moment, like, oh, you gotta do more. What if that's not the story right here? What if the centerpiece can be Jesus, Jesus whose presence was there the whole time? Jesus who walks on water, Jesus, who isn't bothered by waves and storms, who's Jesus, who is not limited by our limitations, what is Jesus that he's in the middle of the storm, but what it does is contrast, this is what it's like to be Peter, this is what it's like to be Jesus, and the main story is this is why you can trust Jesus. What if that is to be the centerpiece? The whole story is about Jesus, the rescuer. When I read the story that way, the question I have to ask is, are you willing to let Jesus be your rescuer? If Matthew is, in his own way, trying to get the picture across those people that are reading it for the first time, and then us reading it generations later... If this is what he's trying to show us of who Jesus is, then the question has to be, well, are we willing to let Jesus be our rescuer? You know the moment that Peter cried out, Lord, save me, that there was nothing in him that was going to reject Jesus reaching down and being the rescuer. But that isn't always our response. The question is, will we have the humility? Isn't humility at the core of this, of letting Jesus be our rescuer? There are some who struggle with so much self-pride that Jesus can't be the centerpiece of the story because when they read it, it's, I've got to do better. And there's an okay conversation to be had there. But what if our pride and saying, I need to do better, is coming in between us and letting Jesus be the rescuer that we need. Are you humble enough to say, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, but I still see those weaknesses in my life. I struggle with this. To this day, and I think for life, I'm going to struggle with this. 
I like to have the weight on me. I can sometimes take pride in that I can endure more than other people. I can take pride in that I can push through. I can take pride in just let me get my hands on it. I will figure it out and fix it. And I wonder that if I do that so often, what this does is it keeps a distance, a wall, is there a gap that I believe in Jesus, but I'm not sure I'm letting him be my rescuer? Because in my own mind, I want to believe in Jesus, but I've also got to take care of business myself. It's my pride that gets in the way. See, I feel like God had to say to me that day, when your faith is going to struggle sometimes, that's what it means to be human. But before you spend all your effort to try and try and try just to swim harder in life, maybe the first thing you need to do is to try and refocus away from the problem and to the person that's right in front of you. To to refocus myself from the problem to a person because Jesus is always, will always be right there in front of you. His presence is never the problem. Bradley and I talk about this in worship, that I say, listen, I believe that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is always with us in worship. It's not about saying, Jesus, will you come? It's will I open my eyes to know that he's already here so I can experience his power in my life. I don't have to beg Jesus to be in my life. He is begging me to let him into my life. This is the difference. So instead of focusing on the waves and the chaos, I refocus to a person who's wanting to help. And when I do that, how I walk through life's issues, life's challenges changes. Because what happens is I transition from me against the world to us against anything that comes my way. And there's a distinct difference when it's me against the world versus it's us. Because when it's us, me and Jesus, God reinforcing, coming behind, just me finding myself in him, allowing him to be my rescuer, what I get is exponentially more wisdom. What I get is exponentially more strength and endurance. I get perspective I didn't have. I get humility I haven't had. I get peace I haven't had. I get joy I haven't had. I get all these things when I transition to me against the world to God it's us because you're my rescuer this is the change of the story in life that needs to happen I needed this as I stood on that boat under the weight of life I need to be reminded that I'm not alone And I don't need to always go through this cycle of, God, I just don't want to drown in my mess. I don't want to drown in my weakness. I don't want to drown in my limitations. I need to refocus from the problem to a person that changes every scenario. Now, there's a problem for us. There's a problem right now for us as I share this story is that this is a very specific 
story. And you and I aren't Peter. We are not trying to walk on water. Jesus isn't in the physical life right in front of me, reaching down to bring me up. That is the story that happened to Peter and Jesus. So I need to ask the question. I need to help you walk through. I need to push our thinking this morning. How does Jesus save me from drowning? In my context, how do I become aware of how Jesus reaches down to me and how my life functions. That's what we need to know. We see the story, and if the story is about Jesus, then I go, okay, Jesus, if you're, you're, you're real there, you're true there, I think you're true for me today, so how do you help me from drowning? And so I just think about life. I think about that process since then of conversations I felt like I had with God of like, this is how I help you in the moments where you are trying to not drown. And I think the first thing is um, Jesus uses other people in our life. Many of you in this room have been the other people for me. that he uses other people to encourage us, pray for us, help us in way, new ways to look at life. He, he helps, he brings people to help us carry the weight when the weight is too much for one person. Many times in my life, the way God has provided for me is not to take away the issue, but to give me people to walk through the issue with me. And I want to have a little sidebar for a second here. He uses people to help me from drowning, but I want to remind you, sometimes you are that person God's trying to use for some other people. And there's two issues. Sometimes we don't want to receive the help, so we miss the provision God's trying to give us, or two, we don't do what we know we should do to get into other people's lives. That maybe you are the provision. And if we are not yes people in obedience to step into other people's lives, to step out of our just looking at my own picture, my own story, then we miss out on the opportunity to be the provision for other people. But maybe you feel like drowning, or you're, like you're drowning. Maybe, maybe, who knows, you may be walking into something like that soon. I want you to be reminded he uses people and that's part of his reaching down to save us. Now sometimes it's, sometimes it's that. Sometimes I've found that his reaching down from me drowning is simply him forgiving us. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in our messes because we have made decisions. But the beautiful story of Jesus is even when we've got ourselves in the mess, he still wants to bless us by pulling us out. And sometimes that is simply as, Jesus, I know what I've done. Will you forgive me? And in this moment, we have the chance 
to step away from this direction, this the way we're going about life, and just start new. It doesn't change the past. It doesn't sometimes even change that the situation you've got in, but all of a sudden you have this new beginning and this new wisdom and this new strength and power that comes from God because in repentance comes forgiveness, in repentance comes power, in repentance comes this new perspective and focus in life when we are willing to not just say, God, I need you, but God, forgive me. I need you to help me in this next. Sometimes I think we want the new life without the repentance that precedes the new life. We want the help of Jesus without coming in humility to Jesus saying, I know I'm part of my own problem. Forgive me, and I'll always trust that. You will forgive me. But before I can walk into what you really have for me, how you're going to walk through this next with me, I need to own where I've been. And part of the reaching down and rescuing is a forgiveness that comes when we ask for it. Now the third thing is sometimes he saves us from drowning just by reminding us of his faithfulness. I tell you this quite often because I need you to be reminded that for generation after generation after generation, God has been faithful to people before us and people after us. People before us that have been part of the story and you, there'll be people after us that are part of his story. And he has been faithful. His promise has always been kept. And, and this room is filled with stories of God showed up when I needed it most. And sometimes people tell us the stories to remind us who God is. And sometimes God goes, I already have done this in your life. And what makes, me, what makes you think if I, didn't, if I did it then, I'm not gonna do it now. That if God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, as we believe, that he, if he showed up then, what makes it that he wouldn't show up for us? He is faithful. And sometimes in the middle of the storm, all we can see is the problem. We don't see the person and the faithfulness that comes with the person. And if we can step back and go, I, I just trust you. Maybe you're not extracting the problem from my life, the issue from my life. It's still there because this is life. It comes with suffering. It comes with brokenness. It comes with just what this is in a broken world. But his faithfulness is reminded for, we get to be reminded of his faithfulness. And so we can now walk in a new trust, a new energy, a new hope. And sometimes just hope is all we need as we walk through life. And then the fourth thing I think, the last thing I think, is that sometimes in saving us, he reaches down and does something supernatural. We need to remember the power of God. We live so much in the natural every day, we forget the supernatural that is around us. You have a powerful God who created everything, created everything. There does not need to be fear because the God that created everything is on your side. There is nothing too big for God. This is why in this story, Jesus is in the middle of the same winds, the same storms. But he is not, as I said, he's not 
falling victim the way Peter does because God is not the same as us. And we need to remember, and that's why he says, bring everything to him. And we bring everything to him. We trust that he knows what's best. And sometimes he walks through it with us because it grows us, it matures us, it does things in us. It's not good for you to be just for every problem to be taken away. But sometimes, in God's wisdom, he says, I'm going to do something miraculous in your life. And the only answer to the why is because of the power of Jesus. I hadn't even shown you the thing that I, I use from Israel. But a few days after we're on the boat, I'm on the side. I think I've told you this before. I'm on the side of the, the shore of Sea of Galilee, and I see these rocks. I grab some of these rocks, put them in a bag, brought them back to me, brought, brought them back here. It was a few months ago, can't remember the exact date, that um, friends of mine got some news of sickness. And immediately when I heard this story, I knew what I was supposed to do. And I asked Christine and Ronnie Sims to come to my office because I had to talk to them. And as they came to my office, I sat them down and I began to tell this story to them. And I looked at Ronnie, who had just heard about this illness that had taken over his life, and he had a road ahead of him that he did not know what was coming. He had a future that was uncertain. There was winds and storms. And I took this rock, I put it in his hand. I said, Ronnie, you know what I have to do sometimes? When I'm in the middle of stuff, the weight of life, I grab a hold of this. It's a rock, but this is not... It's not the rock. I grab a hold of this, and it reminds me of who Jesus is. It reminds me of that day on the boat when I felt the weight of life, and Jesus tells me this story again, but in a way that almost I was experiencing in myself, that was just God allowed me to see again who he was in the middle of our mess. And so I said, I don't know if this will mean something to you, but it does me. Sometimes I take this off my desk and I just hold this rock. And I loved the next several weeks and months. He, he, he would let me know. He says, Scott, every doctor's appointment. Every time I felt the weight, he said, I took that rock with me. And I held it. It meant so much to me that a conversation that God spoke to me, I could bring to other people. And in the middle of their mess, in the middle of their problem, maybe we can refocus away from the problem and to the person that walked through all of our messes from. Walks through all of our messes with us. That day at the side of the pool when Jackson froze and that moment became too big. I don't know why. We don't always know why the moment becomes too big for us. But what we know is that if Amber, as his mom, can go down and scoop him up and take him out of the water, how much more can God do for us? And so 
I share my stories and why these are on my desk, and I don't know where you sit, but I do know that Jesus wants to be your rescuer. So I'm inviting you today, as I do every week, to not leave here without allowing God to speak into you if you need him to be your rescue for any reason. Maybe you're away from Jesus and you need forgiveness. And it's simply, Jesus, forgive me. I know that's why you died on the cross for me. Please forgive me. I want to give my life to you. Maybe for you, you need to be reminded of his faithfulness. Maybe for you, you, you need to... Be open to the people who are trying to invest in you because they are the provision God's provide. Maybe God wants to do something supernatural in your life, but we're not allowing him to be your rescuer. Maybe as we end in worship today, in your seat, up front, there's something you just say, God, I'll let you be it. I'll let you be the rescuer. And so Jesus, thank you for being Peter's rescuer. But God, I need you to be my rescuer, and we need you to be our rescuer. Life does not need to be me against the world, me versus the world. It needs to be us. And so whatever way you need to move in my life, whatever way you need to move in this church, God, I pray that you would be faithful again to how you want to move, and we grab a hold of our rock and say, I remember what you did. And I still think you can do it for me. So God, if you need to speak to your people today, I just ask you to do what only you can do. God, I, I speak words, but you really do the work. Thank you for what you want to do in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, Check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.